0: Welcome Phoenix fans to another episode of the Burning Bird. I'm Steve Leinert. I'm joined uh by my friend Alexander Shaggy Shragas. Shaggy. Thanks for joining me again, buddy.
1: Yeah. Happy to be joining you again. <laughs> These
0: are some strange times we are uh, living in and uh this is going to be a different Burning Bird because uh right now America's different and uh we're uh we're we're going to try to plug through this episode as best we can and and uh, try to make sense of it all. We are joined in this episode by uh, defensive stalwart for the Phoenix for the past two years, Bryce Dunn. Bryce, thanks for joining us on the
2: Burning Bird. Thank you guys for having me. And and obviously, America is very different right now, and Philadelphia is specifically different. But um, I'm happy to hop on and and talk about the world and and ultimate and where everything fits together.
0: You were – you were down at the protest today. Can you just talk about what your firsthand experience was like down there?
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. So I guess I'll, I'll start at the very beginning. So Matt, Hannah, and I were actually – so we've been sort of workout buddies throughout all of COVID since mid-March. Um, we we live really close to each other. But so we were planning on working out today, and, um, you know, we had been talking all day and talking with some of the other, other members of the, the I guess, Philadelphia Ultimate Community being Nick Cattell and Billy Sickles, not, they're obviously not in the Phoenix and and then Campy as well. Um, And, you know, they were talking about how they were downtown and and joining some of the protests. So Hannah and I felt obligated um, to kind of cancel the workout and and head downtown and and help out our friends and and teammates and sort of the community, the Philadelphia community as a whole. So we got to downtown. We started at the police station i believe um where uh, there was sort of a small group of people sort of waiting for people who had been arrested to come out of of jail basically so basically being released and and serving as sort of relief for them just kind of asking them if they were okay if they needed a ride any food or, or anything um so we were there for for a short period of time and then we sort of moved downtown to right around city hall where the actual protest was happening. And we actually kind of got pretty lucky. We walked up market street, um, sort of right into the, the very front of the protest. So, um, you know, we got to see pretty much everything firsthand, all, all the people obviously out there, all the, um, protesters, you know, people who obviously feel very strongly about the situation justifiably. So, um, and, and we got to sort of experience it, experience it all firsthand. And, and that, personally, for me, was my first experience. Some of, some of the other people I was with were at the protests on Monday, I believe, when in Philadelphia there was sort of like the tear gassing and um, a lot of the somewhat unprovoked violence, I guess. Um, so I, I was sort of in awe of of the whole situation. I'd, I'd never really been to anything like that before. Um, but it was, you know, inspiring and, you know, something, and I, I guess an experience that I'll probably remember for the rest of my life.
0: When you first saw the George Floyd, uh, video, what, uh, what, what were your thoughts? And, uh,
2: yeah, so it's hard, it's hard to know, or it's, I guess it's hard to sort of put into words exactly how I felt. You know, there's obviously so many different emotions that sort of go through, your head and your heart when, when you see something like that, um, especially when it's an African American like myself. Um, you know, I think first and foremost, you, you feel sad just, just seeing a human being, um, you know, being knelt on like that for such an extended period of time. Um, you know, it just seems so ridiculous. Um, so, so the, the, just the sadness of, um, that's how his life was ended. Um, you know, sort is sort of overwhelming. And then, you know, when you start to think about sort of the bigger picture of, you know, how this, you know, how, how George Floyd being an African-American man, um, you know, in, will impact or how impactful that is of him being an African-American and the cop being white and, and just sort of everything that has transpired over the last few years, you start to, you start to feel fear that, you know, that could have been me. That could have been my, brother. That could have been my teammates, you know, James Pollard, Nate Little. Um, and then it, it sort of turns into anger. Like, you, you know, it's, I, I can't believe that this is still happening. This is, it feels like we've had years of progress, but um, when something like this happens, you feel like it's gone sort of nowhere. So, um, yeah, I think that was sort of my initial reaction, a mix of sadness, anger, and fear. And, and I think, you know, over the, the past few days, you've had a lot, of, I, I personally have had a lot of time to reflect and, and think think about things in the state of the world. And, you know, a lot of the protests um, are obviously inspiring. You can see a, a large group of people sort of banding together and, you know, everybody sort of being on the same page is like, this is not something that is acceptable in a, in our communities and in our world. So um, you you feel... Definitely a, a sense of appreciation for that that um, feeling of community, and then you know that that inspiration turns into you know giving yourself a, a sense of deeper purpose of like how can I be a part of this and how can I move the world forward and and move my community forward, um, and I think that's sort of what you know made me feel like attending today's protest was necessary, and I think that's what you know a lot of other people who are attending these pro. Protests feel as well. They feel like they need to have their voices heard and be a part of change. <clears throat> how how can this change
0: be sustained?
2: Yeah, I mean that that's that's the great that's the perfect question, I guess. Um, and I'm I'm no expert on on you know, sustaining this type of impact and movement. Um, you know, making sure that Black Lives Matter doesn't go away. You know, when these protests eventually subside. But um, I think. First and foremost, just every individual, you know, getting involved in some capacity, whether it's, you know, you yourself voting, um, getting people in your community to vote, helping people in your community, you know, become educated on the voting process, um, you know, working on actual solutions, so, you know, educating yourself on what parts of the system are the most unjust and working on, you know, coming up with solutions with your peers and other you know, members of your community to help, you know, actually present legislation that can ignite change. Um, and then I think also something that a lot of people overlook is organizing youth as well. And there's so many, so many young people under the age of 18 who obviously can't exercise their right to vote, but um, you know, are ex- extremely intelligent people and have a really unique perspective on the world as, as someone who has grown up in these times and firsthand has seen all this stuff at a very young age, I think that, you know, someone that can organize them and help guide them through this world and, and make sure that when they, when they turn 18 and they have the right to vote and, and just throughout life as a whole, they're, you know, comfortable addressing these situations and igniting change
1: themselves. So you talked about, uh, community organizing and, um, how you went to today's protests with uh, members of the Philadelphia ultimate community. Um, Mm -hmm. What did it, what did it mean to you to, I guess, have that happen here in Philly and Mm -hmm. what's something that you might want to see from the Philadelphia ultimate community uh, in general? Yeah. I mean, I think the ultimate community
2: in general, not even just Philadelphia, is really in tune with a lot of social issues. And um, I think the ultimate community as a whole is, really comfortable expressing their opinions about the social issue, about the social issues and having a a firm stance on it. Um, But I mean, just being there with, you know, my, the the Philadelphia ultimate community, people I consider my friends. um, You know, I was new to this city when I attended Temple. I was originally from Pittsburgh and the the ultimate community opened their arms to me when I didn't know anybody else. So to have been there was, is, inspiring and you know something I'll, I'll always cherish um and in terms of like i guess what i'd like to see from the Philadelphia uh, ultimate community i guess it's it just goes back to staying involved um you know right now it it sort of feels um you know trendy to you know support black lives matter and um you know post on social media about things but you know when things die down the only way that long-term change is going to be instituted is by just staying involved. So I think I'd, I'd really like the the Philadelphia Ultimate community to, you know, keep up their communication around Black Lives Matter, obviously, and, you know, figure out ways to, to keep, you know, PADA members involved in Black Lives Matter, whether it's through donations or, uh, making sure that people are organized and, and, um, set up to vote and, I'm not really sure. I don't know if I have a perfect solution, but I think overall, I think just making sure that you know this movement doesn't fall by the wayside um, when the protests die down and it's not it's the it's not the the hot new media coverage topic. Um, it, I think is all we can really ask for is just making sure that it, it stays stays top of mind for people in the future. Hey, uh, Bryce, have you been the victim of racism in your life? Um, you know, I guess I, I would say that I have, um, you know, I think a lot of people experience different levels of racism, whether it's, um, intentional sort of blatant, um, racism or, or maybe just comments that make people feel uncomfortable. Um, you know, I, I, you could say that you might consider that a form of racism as well. So, Um, I think I've been, you know, I think I've always surrounded myself with people that aren't, aren't, you know, blatantly racist. You know, I I, I would never, I think I was taught at a young age to to put yourself in circles and situations that um, are ethical and, you know, don't sort of have a negative, um, I guess, vibe to it. But I think just, Inevitably, as an African American, there's there's going to be people who don't don't feel comfortable around you, and and will say or do things that obviously display racism. And you know, I've had issues with people um, who have dated their parents, and you know, things of that nature. And, and obviously, you kind of have to you know be above that kind of stuff, and and I, I've always taken the mentality of turning the other cheek, but you know that that stuff is out there and it's real and um, it happens. Um, so I think that you know the the most important thing we can do right now is is recognize that it happens and recognize that it's wrong, and I think stand up for it.
0: How about on the uh, on the frisbee field? Have you experienced anything on there that might be considered racist?
2: Uh, no, not one bit, actually. And that's I think that's one of the things I, I love about Ultimate. Um, you know, I think being out there and, and with the Ultimate community, like I mentioned earlier, the Ultimate community is very in tune to social issues and um, yeah, I think very responsible and articulate when um, we speak out on social issues. So I think that in, in playing Ultimate, I've never had any sort of, Feeling of, of racism or oppression or anything of, of that nature. Um, I did grow up playing a lot of baseball. I played baseball through high school, and um, I grew up in a predominantly white area. I'd say probably about ninety percent of my high school was white, um, and there's just not a lot of African American baseball players. Um, so I, I do remember feeling a little bit weird playing baseball. I don't. I I can't say someone specifically said something to me, but I did, you know, sometimes feel a little bit weird and there's definitely stereotypes about, about baseball players and, um, you know, but I've never felt anything like that on the ultimate field. Um, so I, I'm very appreciative of that for sure. How about,
0: uh, how about a temple is, um, I mean, Temple's a pretty diverse school and uh, I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're, um, I mean, I went to temple for, for a couple of years there. They're, they seem to be pretty good
2: about uh keeping things pretty equal there. Is that something that you found? Yeah. So I, I really think that attending temple was the best decision I ever made in my life. Um, like I mentioned, I came from an area that is just not very diverse. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's areas like that and that doesn't make them bad areas, but that's just the fact. It's just not a, a very diverse area. Um, So, Temple was a, like, Temple and Philadelphia in general were, like, extremely eye-opening situations for me, in a good way. Um, You know, I just, you know, you sort of grow up in your little bubble, wherever it may be, and you're not really exposed to much outside of, you know, what your parents expose you to, Um, and, and growing up where I grew up, that was limited, there wasn't as there wasn't a massive opportunity to expose me to a lot, but whenever I was out on my own at Temple and in Philadelphia, you know, it it really changed my life and just, you know, I think, I think made me a, a much more well-rounded person. Um, made me realize that there are different people, a lot more different people in the world than I thought I, I think I ever did realize and, and made me more adventurous and made me more accepting and more open-minded. Um, a lot of different things and I think that um, that was an experience that you know and I think all of my temple friends both ultimate and non-ultimate will agree that I loved everything about that experience and I met you know some amazing people some that I've lost touch with some that I haven't Um, but I think that that was the perfect decision for for me specifically um, to attend there.
0: Can we address like the looting and the violence a little bit. Um, there seems to be a couple schools of thought on the looting and the violence. On one hand, mm-hmm. it seems like the uh, without like, if if it was just a peaceful protest without the looting and the violence, there it, the, the, the 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 change wouldn't come about as quick and the message wouldn't mm-hmm. be heard um, as as loudly as it has been. And on the other hand, there, there there's a school of thought that says the the looting and the and the and the uh, rioting is 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 only undermining the cause.
2: Yeah. So I mean, this is this is a really tough question for sure. Um, and, and personally, I really feel that I'm I'm not in a position to tell another individual how to protest. Um, you know, I, I just don't feel like I'm educated enough on the history of protesting um, and, and what is most effective and and why. You know some things happen and some things don't. Um, but I can speak for myself personally. I, I, I personally would prefer to only involve myself in peaceful protests. I just think that that's, you know, I, I don't want to feel endangered myself. Um, and I know not everybody will agree with that. Some people, like you said, feel that there's a need for violence and looting in order to have our voices heard. Um, but for me specifically I, I would prefer to to stick to a, a peaceful protest and um you know I, I like the one i was at today was was very peaceful and we sort of recognized we were out past curfew and um we sort of closed things down um relatively quickly and peacefully um so everybody could get home safely and and that's i think where i would feel most comfortable um you know, I think there, I would definitely be a bit fearful if I was attending a protest where I felt like things could get out of control at any second. Um, so I think today was um, sort of a peaceful denis- demonstration that I would feel most comfortable attending. And, and you know, I think that, you know, hi- history probably has um, lessons to be learned about the, the best types of protesting. You know, Gandhi was never violent while protesting. Um, you know, Malcolm X is sometimes when when vi- when we are when we when people are violent with us, we're we're willing to be violent back. So, you know, I, I don't I don't know what the perfect answer is. Um but for myself specifically I think I would I would do my best to maintain any or maintain peace at, at any protest. I just wouldn't feel comfortable um having it any other way really
0: and some of those uh some of those images of the uh of the fires being set down in uh, center city over the weekend were or mm-hmm. were, were, we're 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 scary and uh and yeah. uh, but i mean but i mean i i can only imagine i mean it, uh, how scary it must be for um african americans to get pulled over on a, on a mm-hmm. regular traffic stop i, I you know so I mean have have I mean have you had that experience where there's been fear on a, on a routine traffic stop?
2: Yeah, you know, I I thought about this too cuz obviously I, I've been pulled over I tend to be somewhat of a speeder. Don't tell anybody that, but um um yeah, so I I really and this might be you know me just being naive, but I personally haven't felt that sort of tension, that racial tension um, you know, with a police officer. I think that, um, I, I guess I remember my my dad, you know, telling me right when I was getting my license to, you know, be respectful and um, if you ever get pulled over and, and acknowledging that I'm an African African American man and it's it's different. Um, but I, I really think that I haven't had any sort of negative experience that sticks out to me. And I've been pulled over in Ohio before by white police officers. I've been pulled over in Virginia by white police officers. So, you know, and, and also in PA. So like, I, I really haven't had that experience where I've I've felt threatened um, or endangered. Um, And and I think I could also admit that I also wasn't totally receptive to a police officer and that they probably actually handled the situation well. Um, not that they have to handle it any different to me because an African-American versus a, a a white American, but I still feel like I haven't had any sort of run-ins with a police officer, um, and I've been treated fairly respectably, um, at least by in, in my opinion. You know, And like I said, that might be me being naive or just, just missing the understanding, but I, I really haven't felt threatened by a police officer in that
1: sense. Were well, any of those... Uh speeding moments on the way to or from a Frisbee tournament? No, they were not.
2: Um, (laughs) I got pulled over. So I lived in Indianapolis for a summer, and my girlfriend lived in Seattle City in South Jersey. So one uh, weekend, it was was like her birthday weekend, and I I surprised her driving from Indianapolis, which is like way too long of a drive for a weekend, like 11 hours. And I got two speeding tickets, and so that kind of soured the whole event. But... No ultimate speeding tickets, I guess. Bryce, right, so I'm going gonna,
0: I'm gonna, to I'm gonna, add a moment of levity here in this rather heavy conversation and just ask you to slow yeah. the hell down for crying out loud. You're getting pulled over I, left and right <laughs> out there.
1: Admittedly, I have, like,
2: definitely calmed down a little bit. Um, I think, just, yeah, I don't know what it was. I just was so impatient on the road. I was going way too fast. Uh, we've wise. all we've
0: all we've all driven fast when we're going to visit our girlfriends. Don't worry about yeah, it. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
2: <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, Shag. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Were you going to say something?
2: I was going to ask you guys what you think of this whole situation.
0: So, uh, uh, go ahead, Shag. Uh,
1: well, so I um I actually uh, have experienced a lot of discrimination in my life. Uh, I'm Jewish, and mm-hmm. um, I've been uh beaten up for it. I've been attacked for it. I've been called names. People have things at me. I grew up pretty, like, sheltered. All my friends were Jewish. Then when I went to a public college in, like, a, like kind of like a in the woods part of Connecticut, um, there was just a lot of things that happened to me that I wasn't yeah. I whatever. But part of that experience was I kind of had to seek that out. Like, I had to demonstrate mm-hmm. that I was Jewish. Um, and I'll never know what it feels like to have somebody look at me and think anything about me other than that I'm just like some white kid doing nothing. Right. Uh, so it's really, it's hard for me to like, I and I know that, but it's hard for me to know it all the time. Um, yeah. So this is like, I've been very upset this week, mostly because it seems really hard for a lot of people. And I just, I want to, um, do the best that i can to make it easy like specifically black people and i i want to mm-hmm. do the best that i can to make it less hard in the country um really, really. yeah
0: i'm uh <laughs> i mean i'm a i i'm a i i when i saw that video i was appalled at uh at uh, just the uh attitude of that officer and um uh that officer Chauvin or the ex officer Chauvin in Minneapolis, I mean, uh, and that no, the other officers standing by didn't um, intervene and uh, they were charged today actually. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, like I, I grew up in the uh, Kensington and Port Richmond neighborhood in, in Philadelphia and there's a, a, uh, a, a large uh, police presence in that, in that neighborhood. And, uh,
2: yeah.
0: and um, we were taught to respect the police. And, uh, you know, I was, my dad gave, gave me the talk about the police, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. Uh, Mm -hmm. You you know, hand them your paperwork, make sure you keep your hands on the steering wheel. You know, when you, when you're reaching into your glove box, you tell them you're, you're reaching into your glove box type thing, you know, and I, I, I use that to this day, you know, and, uh, and it, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm nervous when I get pulled over. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm, but I'm, I'm not sure why I'm nervous um but if if i'm nervous i can only imagine what african americans feel like uh if if that's how they get treated uh i mean that that's, that that was that that whole video from the from the beginning was appalling it was a, a you know like i i i read on a i read somebody said on twitter and i i thought it was pretty uh apropos was that George George Floyd lost his life because he tried to pass a a a, 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 a counterfeit twenty dollar bill. And uh the here the person that was writing the tweet said that they tried to pass a, a counterfeit twenty dollar bill and they got in trouble with the police. And mm-hmm. because they, because they're white it's a story that they tell at parties now as as, as a joke. And, and and George Floyd lost his life. You know, and that's that white privilege there, and uh, I, you know, it's I'm I'm struggling with it, Bryce. To be honest with you, I've I've been yeah. having a hard time since that video's come out, and uh, I I I think this conversation needs to happen, and needs to happen, that uh, needed to happen a long time ago uh if if this is the way police officers are treating african americans on a, on a regular basis then my word uh there's these the, 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 these protests are long overdue and uh i uh i, uh, I as as a, as a as a as a white person i hope i mean like if my my words are are hollow they feel like uh, anything that i say here other than I'm sorry. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. is, uh, I mean, what, what else, I mean, uh, I, I, we'll like, uh, we'll, we're trying to be better, you know? And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's appalling. That was, that was absolutely appalling. And, uh, and it was, uh, and it was eye opening, and, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean it was yeah. uh, I mean it was and it was disgusting. It was that like watching that guy take his last breath lay, laying under that guy's knee on on a, on a on a on the on a cement pavement. That that was just disgusting. And uh that should never happen to any human being ever. And uh and uh that was just uh that was tough to watch. And uh that's, just, that's something I had to talk to my son about and uh and uh i hope that uh i hope that the uh the younger generation does a better job of wiping out racism than 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 my generation has done
2: yeah and and to that point i've always thought that the the removal not that i ever think it will be fully removed but the the lesser of racism will it, it, it takes time right it gets it gets passed down by generation um, and you know slowly over time as you know, more people are educated and, and more communities become more diverse um, it slowly starts to weed its way out but it takes time and I understand a lot of the the protesting and the anger around the protesting is because it's taking it's taking too long like this this needs to happen because people are dying. And we can't accept racism um, in any form, let alone from a, a police officer taking someone's life. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of anger and and I guess fear as well that go along with, with what you know, transpired and has transpired, you know, in Georgia and Louisville and and all over um, over the last few years, but. It, it, it takes time, but I think these these demonstrations are necessary and, and definitely speed the process up.
0: I loved President Obama's message today, or uh, I, I hate saying it, former President Obama's message, <laughs> um, uh, uh, where he asked for every mayor in America to uh, look over their uh, their tactics and mm-hmm. revise them. And uh, I think that's that, that would be an amazing step forward. Um, Bryce, what did you think about them taking down the Frank Rizzo statue today? Did that that symbolism mean anything to the African-American community?
2: Um, I I think it definitely did. I mean, I'm not from Philadelphia, so I didn't necessarily feel, I guess, I don't want to say I didn't feel the same way about Frank Rizzo, but I I didn't experience that firsthand. Um, So, um, but I think, the this, this symbolism of it is definitely um, significant. I think that that is a step in the right direction, but I think also the African community understands that that's not going to shut us up. You removing that statue isn't any real change. Um, yes, you're, I guess by doing that, you're admitting mistakes of the past, but that doesn't help us for the future. So the only way to really you know, solve any future problems is to, you know, challenge the current mayor in, in his like you mentioned with what Obama had asked and and also future mayors and getting people out to vote. That's what's going to institute the the actual change that's going to impact the future of our communities. I mean, removing the statue is great and all, but it, it doesn't doesn't it's not going to shut the African American community and or any community up about oppression or racism or anything. Oh, it like
0: isn't I don't I wasn't I wasn't going for shutting anybody up for yeah. any stretch but I was, no, I, was I, <laughs> I was I was going for uh uh, like uh, like uh, like it's about time kind of thing uh, right yeah you, you exactly know, perhaps like it's cuz uh, you, you know uh, like like the the south the south is just getting around and getting rid of the confederate flag for crying out loud in, in, yeah. in the recent past i mean this is uh this is I mean as as a as a as a white person maybe this is just gone we just we just turned a blind eye to all this for far too long. You know, I mean uh, and we and and uh and it, it's just uh and I'm 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 ashamed of, of, of myself uh for not doing more I guess. I don't I don't know. I uh like, like I like I told you, I'm having a hard time with it, and uh, yeah, and maybe uh, maybe a lot of other people are having a hard time with it. And uh, I know uh, I know uh, Matt Hanna has been uh, outspoken for the Philadelphia Phoenix as mm-hmm. uh, a, 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 a big protester and a, a proponent for uh, the whole movement here. And uh, he's a like you mentioned him earlier in the podcast as a as a good buddy of yours. I mean. Uh, What's it like to have somebody from the uh, from the uh, so, uh, from the uh, opposite race supporting you so vehemently?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's huge. I think um, you know African Americans have been sort of voicing this you know Black Lives Matter opinion for for decades, but just to have the you know to have now um, more and more members of the white community recognize it and um, feel passionately enough about it to go protest multiple times in one week, put their safety in in danger, potentially, Um, you know, that, I think that's really impactful for the movement at, you know, a local and a national level Um, to see a diverse crowd protesting um, the injustice of an African-American is, is, I think really impactful. Um so yeah, H- Hannah has been great. You know, Nick Patel um has been great, Billy Sickles and, and countless others. Campy be, has been great. Um
0: Luke Ryan was down. there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So um it it's been it's been great to see from um the ultimate community thus far and, and I think that a lot of you know sort of I guess you sort of kind of alluded to it, but a lot of people in the white community, I think feel guilt right now is like, we must not have been you know, doing enough these past decades to, uh, for, for this to still be happening. We must not have done enough. And, you know, I don't think that, you know, while, while, you know, feeling that guilt is, is understandable. It, it, you know, I don't think that dwelling on it is really going, is really, is really what needs to be done. I think just, you know, It's never too late to to get involved and and help out and, you know, become part of the movement.
0: All right. Uh, Do you want to add anything else in that we haven't asked you there, Bryce?
2: Um, The only thing I wanted to add in was anything about Ultimate. You guys, I mean, obviously (laughs) I understand the circumstances of the world, but.
0: All right, well we didn't know We, didn't know, uh, we well, uh, w- with everything going on we didn't want to yeah. uh we didn't want to uh delve into Ultimate if you would have felt um like that it would have been uh trivial to talk Ultimate with the events that are going on but if you want to talk some Ultimate I mean uh <laughs> I'll be more than that I mean I've got some questions for you. Uh awesome, what do you, yeah. what what do you what do you think of that of the uh of the AUDL's uh Uh, proposal to uh, get the season going, and what do you think of the Philadelphia Phoenix's pod of New York, Boston, and D.C.?
2: Well, I'll start with our pod (laughs) sucks. I am tired of playing New York. Um, D.C. was in our division, so couldn't really escape them. Um, And I guess, I mean, I I guess you want to play the best, and those are (laughs) those are a lot of the teams I would expect to be in in it at the end. So, um, you know, if we can make it out of that pod, assuming this all goes forward, that, that'd that be great. But yeah, first at the first glance, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. But um, in terms of the proposal, um, I know there's been a lot of different opinions about it. And I think my opinion is like somewhat, uh, I'd admit it's somewhat selfish, but I just, I just love playing ultimate. Um, and I, I think, you know, throughout my entire life I've just loved playing sports but but obviously ultimate is the one I'm playing now and I and I love it and you you put so much time in in the off season and um you're just you know counting down the days to get back to to playing especially once we we have practices starting and the excitement's just sort of uh bubbling and then to have it cut short just sort of sucks obviously you know the reasons for it being cut short are, are totally justifiable but I just really want to play. Um, so if there is a way for us to ensure that we're able to play safely, I'm I'm all in. I I just want to play, even if it's one tournament and um, it's it's relatively short and quick. And hopefully we can advance. But if not, I, I'm just excited to get back out there. There's there's been so much negativity and, and heavy stuff going on. Um, I I think that you know it it would just be great to get out there with you know my friends and teammates and just have some fun and, and play the sport we all love.
0: What was your expectations of the team going into this year prior to the COVID and, uh, and all this other stuff happening?
2: Yeah, I think we were set up pretty nicely. Um, I was really excited um, about the divisional restructure, uh, obviously being from Pittsburgh, getting to play those guys. I haven't been playing with Pittsburgh guys for a while now, but I still know some of the guys on that team, so I was excited to match up with them and obviously just get a chance to go home. Um, my family actually lives in Atlanta now, so I was really excited for that matchup. Um, and then, obviously, we don't really get to play many Florida guys often, so I was excited for that, too. Um, but, yeah, I thought we were in a in a solid position to, to make a playoff run, for sure. I I think that was sort of my goals and aspirations for this year um, as a team, is to, to hit hit the ground running and try to make the playoffs, but, you know, things have obviously changed. And if we do get an opportunity to, to try to make a run for a playoff spot, I think, I think we've got a shot. we got some good pickups. We, and this is what the third year of our coaching staff, second year of ownership. Um, this year is definitely more organized. Everybody's sort of on the same page. Um, it, it, it just felt, it just felt more, it felt like we were set up for success this year to be completely on it. So, uh, kind of a bummer that we couldn't really get the full season in, but, you know, if we get a shot at something, it'd be great to get out there.
1: So some of my favorite moments from last season uh, were the D-line, you know, which you were a big part of, obviously, getting the D, and then you just, like, no fear hawking the disc the full length of the field. Yeah. Have you been able to have you been able to throw in that pot at all? Like, are you going to keep that up?
2: Yeah, so Hannah and I have been – hanging out probably not I guess not hanging out. We've been working out and throwing um sort of before this we we've sort of had a, a standard schedule and then, you know, when everything COVID hit and practices stopped, we sort of just added another day. So I'd say like maybe three days a week we would get together and, and throw and run and, and hold ourselves or hold each other accountable. So I've been working on my Huffs a ton. I feel like he gets annoyed at me sometimes whenever I ask him after we just ran a bunch of shuttles, if he wants to huck, he's like, why can't we just throw short? I'm exhausted. But (laughs) I love throwing deep. And I think, like, I I feel like a lot of um, basketball players make this comparison sometimes. It's like a lot of basketball players, like, if you're a big man, you want to shoot three-pointers. And people who shoot a lot of three-pointers or shooters obviously love, like, they get so much satisfaction when they drive and make a layup the same thing for me. Is like someone who's always been labeled as like a cutter and um, an athletic player who can who can go deep and play good defense. Man, I just want to be able to throw so bad because they've always told me I couldn't or I shouldn't, and that's uh, it's just I just get so much satisfaction, so much more satisfaction from throwing a deep puck than from skying someone. Um,
1: oh, so, that was like the best yeah. part of our D line last year was you sending it.
2: <laughs> I love
1: it. I love it. Um, so hopefully this year, if we get a chance to get
2: out there even for a couple games, I'll make sure to send it for you guys. Nice. Make sure you point. Make sure you point the shaggy when you do it. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I heard I you guys know. were
2: calling me for O line last year too. After I sent it a couple
1: times, I was like, oh man, let's not get carried away. <laughs> uh, i don't know what it's going to be like because let's say there are no fans i'm not sure if i'm going to provide a lot doing uh in stadium announcing <laughs> <laughs> just for the players themselves i think we'd appreciate it uh, just so yeah. for you to feel like it's a big deal <laughs> Yeah, give us some shout outs throw some nicknames that'd be great oh man i have to come up with a whole new nickname uh Regimen, because my favorite nicknames all left. My favorite one was Nick Patel yeah. because that's a big, big, quick Nick. but... Oh, okay, I was <laughs> going <laughs> to say, he labeled himself
2: as El Scorcho a long time ago. I don't know if that was oh, <laughs> <sticking. laughs> El Scorcho.
0: That's, <laughs> yeah. that's so yeah. appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I used that, and I
1: also used uh, by Patel. That's another, yeah, that's, that's a good one, too. Show. That's a, a good show that bit. Yeah. <laughs> he, He's not on the future, Oh, what do you have any? Do you have any good nicknames, uh, either your own or on the team that you know Steve needs to know, especially if you're calling in the booth? Yeah, I I really don't know. I don't
2: think I do. Most people just call me Bryce. Um, you know, yeah, I really don't think I have any nicknames. But Giorgio gets on me because he says that I'm a complainer. So maybe <laughs> if you can get maybe you can get like a nickname out of that. That would work, but other than Damn. that.
0: I'll I'll see what I can i see what I can come up yeah. with on the
2: fly on the on the talk on, to see Giorgio. <laughs> right. Giorgio will probably have a dig for me.
0: I'll <laughs> i I'll, I'll, I'll see I'll see what we can come up with, man. The, you know, but with, uh, with the, there's gotta be something with the uh, complaining and the defense, uh, your your the way you play defense and the uh the D <laughs> the D and done right there. I mean I can, yeah. I can work I can work with this. Give me some time. Give me
2: some yeah. time. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> I'll be ready for it. <laughs> So
0: uh yeah are you, are you going to miss AA Garthwaite Stadium at all or are you psyched about the South Philly Super Site?
2: Um so no offense to AA Garthwaite but I'm I'm pretty psyched with the new Super Site. Um you know going out to Conchi while you know the Conchi community is sort of like tight-knit in itself I think bringing the Phoenix to Philadelphia, the actual you know city of Philadelphia is going to be huge for um the brand's huge for tickets, attendance, everything. Um you know, they're back in I think it was like twenty
1: fifteen, maybe
2: twenty sixteen, when I played for the Spinners, um, we played out in uh at Germantown Academy in, in the northern suburbs of the city. And attendance was okay, but when we had that championship game at the uh I forget what it's called, the Penn's football stadium. Yeah, Franklin. That was that was unbelievable. Um, the amount of people that were there. I've, I mean, I played high school baseball, which obviously isn't a hugely attended sporting event, but I just couldn't believe how many people were there. And you know, that got the nerves going <laughs> at the start of the game. And it sucked that there was the, the delay and whatever. But just the potential to have that large of a community come to a game. Um, obviously, it was a championship game, but I think that having the Phoenix playing in, in the city of Philadelphia really makes that opportunity um, a potential reality in terms of, you know, home game attendance. So I'm pumped for the new super site. And also if we practice there every once in a while, we don't have to drive all the way out to Conchie or Plymouth meeting. Um, we can just, you know, bike there, hop on the subway. So that's also convenient.
1: So you, uh, you know, you mentioned that, that Spinners team, and you were kind of like yeah. the, you're kind of one of the newer uh people on that team, and then these last two years you know you've been one of the newer people on the Phoenix. What's it like mm-hmm. now that you're the grizzled veteran and all and you know the team's full of new people, and they're all going to come to you to be like, "What are you do and Ben Yacht? like yeah farm you're <laughs> <to> his cut
2: <laughs> yeah yeah that that spinner team i there, every there were so many old heads on that team. Yeah, I was. The, there was, there was like, a few of us that were young. I think that was my first year out of college, so I was, like, 22, I guess. But, um, yeah, I learned a ton from those guys, and I played patrol with them that year as well and learned a ton from them. You know, who was the only other person? On, I guess Glazer was on that team, might be the only so,
1: guy. There were seven the people. Too. Yeah, Arcata was. Right. Um, Dustin Damiano, Esser. Okay, yep. Uh, Nate, Nate was right. technically sure. on the team, too.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, I mean, that
2: – well, it, I, it, it is weird how it's sort of, like, transitioning into. and I don't still consider myself very old. I'm 26. But, um, <laughs> you know, I guess it is it, – it, now that I think about it, it has come sort of, like, full circle. And, you know, me helping someone like a Nate Little out on D-line, not even helping him out, but just sort of, like, giving him random advice. And, you know, he's he's obviously a great player in his own right already. Um, but any any advice I can offer him or um suggestions or anything or like I don't know, he his athletic capabilities are far beyond mine. Um, so it's kind of hard to relate, but you know, I think as you gain more experience you can you can obviously pass it down and people like Glazer and Esser and Dustin are still I think passing down a lot of information to myself and other younger players on the team. So um yeah, it's it's I guess it's been cool to be sort of a part of the uh, a younger, a part of that older generation of affiliate ultimate. And now I guess somewhere in between now and, and a little bit on the older side and be able to help, help some of the younger guys along.
1: Are you more annoyed or excited when you see someone like Nate Little and you're like, you're 19, like I wasn't ready to do this. So I was you know, four or five years older than you.
2: Great question.
1: I think, uh, I think, I think I'm
2: annoyed. I think it's like, <laughs> because, so he, I think that whenever I was his age, but so he, he is like an unbelievable defender throws his body around and, and just just like makes stuff happen. Um, which is, which is obviously super exciting. And, and I was like that a lot too. I think when I was his age and at Temple, we didn't have a very, like, I don't know. Our, our program wasn't very advanced at that time. We we had a few good players and, I think a lot of the times we just ran sort of like the same seven guys out there. So I was always sort of doing that kind of stuff too. But I think what frustrates me about him is one, he's a lefty, which is annoying. And two, (laughs) he is just such a better thrower than me when I was 19. And he, he might even be a better thrower than me now. But when I was 19, I could like barely throw a flick. Um, He's out there, you know, throwing full field bombs and also laying out on defense and getting crazy bees and skying people. So like, I, that's I think, in all honesty, that's what ultimate will look like in a few years. I think, um, you know, just really athletic people who who also have a feel for the game and can throw. I think that, you know, what us older folk will folk will be able to pass down is sort of just like the patience of the game, the understanding of the game, and and um, decision making. Because once once you once you sort of bring the
1: full package together for someone like a Nate Little, he's going to be unstoppable. Yeah, I was, I was extremely grateful that uh, in college that um, ultimately not an NCAA-regulated sport because if it was, <laughs> like, they were giving out scholarships, no way I get to play uh, for <laughs> Top Yeah,
2: that's when you just you just hope that nobody else can throw and and they they just have to take you. <laughs>
1: Do you do you have anything else there, Shag? Uh, no, not really. Only that, like, I can't stress how much I like watching you hockey full field on defense. So, but I already told said <laughs> that, bad, so it doesn't matter. Well, but, now I, I know that, what I
2: need to do. Well,
0: I mean, <laughs> it was something the Phoenix desperately needed to do on defense, especially last year, um, when when they got the turnover, the more that the the team mess around swinging and dumping the disc, the more likely they were going to turn it over. And they they needed somebody to, to kind of take a chance and put it up for a teammate, even if it was a 50-50 ball. Is that something that you felt?
2: Yeah, I think in some sense. I think that a lot of D-lines struggle with, you know, just having a lack of deep throwers, and, and let alone aggressive deep throwers. Um, I don't necessarily think that I was trying, like, actively trying to fill that void. I think that I I was lucky and some good shots were presented to me so I took them. Um, but yeah, I mean I know I know what you mean. A lot of D-lines just get stuck in sort of like that dink and dunk and some some offenses since they're they tend to be rel- relatively lazy will will run some sort of poachy junky zone to try to just confuse you and get an easy turn. Um, and I think that's definitely been one of our weaknesses. Um, on offense. And it was sort of the same thing with patrol last season as well. Um, uh, we, Phoenix and patrol, we generate so many turnovers. We just we just have so many athletic defenders that are capable of, you know, playing really strong man-to-man and help defense. But on offense, we're, we're still a little bit scattered. So that that is the biggest challenge for me this year. I think I've found myself in more of a initiator role, um, trying to, get the offense started. I think myself, Mark Sands and Nard tend to do that a lot. Um, We'll find ourselves back in as handlers and then we'll go upfield and try to keep the flow going and and really pushing the pace. Um, And that's, that was the focus going into this year is really trying to be up tempo and active um, on offense as a D line. So, you know, I would say that if the season was regular, it was, was happening. Um, As scheduled, that that would have been what you guys had seen but who knows what's going to happen uh if we get out
1: there to play we won't probably won't have much practice time so we're going to be probably learning on the fly a little bit well my guess is it'll be more pods like maybe Mm -hmm. the pods will get bigger but that there there may only be like one or two full team practices uh in which case you know you'll have lots of chemistry with your pods that'll be three yep <laughs> yeah. Well, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell
0: you, Bryce, man. As a, as a, a former coach, when I saw that defensive line get a turnover and they started messing around with that disc a little too much instead of jacking it up there, I was looking to call that timeout so fast, man. I had that thing holstered. I'm telling yeah. you, I was, I was ready to pull that thing out so fast it was unbelievable, man. So if you wanna, if you wanna get some, if you wanna get your, your name in that stat book, you better start putting it up. I'm just letting you know.
2: That's, that's very true. The stat book is, is definitely something that I wouldn't say that I focus on, but ask the game to check your stats, see what happens. And... Yeah, right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you got to keep up with how you're doing and how you compare to others. Oh, no question, no question about it. No question about it. this year it will turn around a little bit if we can get out there and play. We'll yeah, that that was,
0: man, uh, boy, uh, any, anything to return to some kind of sense of normalcy after – all of this would be very welcomed indeed. No question about it. Yeah, for sure.
1: I don't know what normal would look like. Do you think that, like, we'll <laughs> ever go back to having people not wear masks in grocery stores? I mean, obviously not everyone will, but now it just seems, like, like silly to do anything yeah. else at this point.
0: Uh, ah, yeah. Man, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> I mean, what? What? I mean, will will people ever be able to go to stadiums ever again and sit down and watch games? Yeah. I mean, I you know what? Like, remember what it was like? I remember what it was like to go to Eagle games and I sat next to, like, elbow to elbow with Eagle fans that I didn't meet before the game, and I would be high fiving them without gloves on and hugging them if the game was intense <laughs> enough. And you know, I mean, it was. Uh, you know, now, now I would I I wouldn't even think of doing that. You know, like it I, I don't know like if I would shake people's hands anymore. You know, I, if 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 I didn't have a glove on. Yeah, normally, what I've been doing the elbow touch. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, you know, it's it's been it's been weird. I mean, I, I I just uh, I I want things to go back to normal. I don't know what, and then you're right, Shag. What does normal look like anymore? Who knows? But
1: the new normal.
0: That's the new normal. But, so we all got to have like a. So for 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 our birthdays, we have to ask for new masks. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, designer for, masks. Yeah, right. For Ooh. for Christmas, we got to ask for a, a form-fitting mask and uh, some a box of rubber gloves from Santa. <laughs> you know. That's
1: the new normal.
2: Hey, that doesn't sound like a very expensive Christmas list to me, so that's what my kids want someday. Yeah. It's, it's all good for me.
0: A little do it, doable. Well,
2: <laughs>
1: Everyone oh, start wearing friction gloves to play Ultimate. Yeah, really. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know. Know.
0: I went through nice, a phase. Nice plug, Shag. Nice plug. <laughs> <laughs> me too. You know, what, <laughs> you know why I
1: stopped wearing gloves for Ultimate? I lost one. It was nothing fancy. I just... <laughs> I, I, just, them. Lost them them. A pair. I lost I just, them, and I didn't want to buy a new pair. That was it. That was the only reason.
2: Well, <laughs> well, we're going to yeah, have to have M- Jeff M- and Christina get you one, or get you a pair <laughs> well, of
1: So when the MLU shut down, I got, like, all this swag from them because I was working for them at the time, and the office just, like, unloaded that day. Uh, and then I only took one pair of gloves, which now, in hindsight, seems silly. <laughs> <laughs>
2: cool. Thank you guys for having me. And uh,
0: Well, wait a second. Wait a second. We're not done yet.
2: Oh, never mind. All right. I gotta,
1: I, I gotta, I gotta lead us out. Okay. Well, he could say, th- "Bryce could say thank <laughs> you." Then that would, that would. the part well, where gonna, you thank him and he thanks you. Well, he's gonna say thank you after I say uh, goodbye to him, right? I mean, <laughs>
0: isn't, isn't that normal etiquette?
1: Uh, I guess, yeah, but <laughs> hey, there's a new normal, right? There's a new normal. All right, you know what? <laughs> you know what, Bryce?
2: Thank away, Bryce. Thank away. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me and keeping us entertained during these crazy times and appreciate having the content always out and something to listen to. So hopefully we can get out there and actually get some games in so you guys have some real ultimate to talk about, but this is fun.
0: Hey, thanks for coming on with us, uh, Bryce. I mean, we we, uh, talked about some pretty heavy stuff, and uh, it was nice that we were able to talk a little ultimate to add some – uh, levity to a, an otherwise very difficult time, and uh, I, I, I we we both really appreciate you coming on, and uh, we we thank you very much for for everything, and uh, you are you you've been great, thank you. Of
2: course, thank you guys again. It's been great. All right, well
0: for Bryce Dunn, for Alexander Shaggy Shragas, I'm Steve Leiner. We'll be right back.